Hi everyone and welcome to another episode of Let's Talk Risk with Dr. Naveen Agarwal. Each week we talk about a topic related to risk management of medical devices in a very casual and informal way. This is not a webinar or lecture, rather our goal is to talk about key topics and challenges in a very informal way and share best practices. I'm your host Naveen Agarwal and I'm the principal and founder at Achieve where my personal mission is to help you achieve success in risk management. In this episode, I'm joined by Sarah Pantene to talk about clinical evaluation of medical devices and how best to integrate that as part of your risk management process. Clinical evaluation is a very important requirement in EUMDR because it allows us to claim safety and effectiveness based on clinical evidence. In practice, it is very difficult to do because Many times in the industry, it is done separate from risk management. So we are talking about challenges in current practice and sharing some best practices. We had this conversation as part of a LinkedIn live audio event in front of a live audience. You're about to hear a recording of our conversation. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome once again to our Friday Let's Talk Risk Conversation uh, my name is Naveen Agarwal, and many of you know me well. I see many familiar faces in the audience today, but many of you are joining for the first time, so I welcome all of you. I hope you have a good time here today because this is going to be a very, very casual conversation. This is not a webinar. This is not a lecture. We are not talking about deep technical topics, but we are talking about very important topics. And the intent here is to have a good conversation so after 15 minutes or so, I will actually invite you to participate. Uh, those of you who have been here before know how it works. You just raise your hand virtually and be a part of this conversation. That's where uh, actually you're going to have a lot of fun. It doesn't have to be a question. It can be a comment or your own view or perspective on the topic we are going to talk about. So folks, today I'm so excited to welcome Sarah Pantene today. And this is going to be sort of a conversation in a series of conversations we have had about connecting clinical evaluation with risk management of medical devices. Now, this is a hot topic in Europe, and we have had two discussions on this topic before you can find the recording and uh, key highlights of those conversations on the Let's Talk Risk newsletter. Uh, but we're going to continue this chat today with Sarah, uh, and I'm so excited. I can't wait to get going. So without Let further ado, I'm going to invite Sarah to introduce herself briefly. And we get going with that. So, Sarah, welcome and thank you for joining me today. Oh, thank you so much, Naveen. I'm also very excited because, uh, uh, yeah, we can continue now to talk about all the interfaces between the processes that we have uh, that you already started to discuss with Alexei and Florian, for example, who are really uh, great industry colleagues, I would say. And we had a lot of discussions in the last yeah, months and years and um yeah, so maybe a few words about my background. So I'm a really passionate uh, expert in the medical device industry, and I started my career um, with the goal to bring innovative medical devices to the market, right? And now, at the moment, we have a situation in Europe where with the MDR, it's more and more difficult to bring new devices to the market, and we have more and more requirements for clinical evaluations, for example. And without the proper clinical evaluation nowadays, you just can't bring innovative devices to the market. and Honestly, I'm a bit frustrated now um, <laughs> because everyone is only focusing on we have to fulfill those regulatory requirements. <laughs> but I think we also lost track 
for what makes sense to do in order to develop great devices here, right? <laughs> and um, it was discussed before that we have to bring together the dis different disciplines that we have. So product development, risk management, clinical evaluation, and in particular also post-market surveillance. <laughs> and, you know, I was writing a lot of clinical evaluations um, starting in 2010 and Typically in the past, we had the situation that um, before you wanted to bring a medical device to the market, someone said, oh, we need a clinical evaluation. Who can write it? And, you know, it was a, it was a one document. It uh -huh. was a report where we collected all the data at that point. And the requirement that we have to consider risk management was also, was also not really new. And what happened in the past is that we asked the risk management team um, to provide us the risk analysis. And then we get a document with typically an Excel file with hundreds of lines with mm -hmm. information. And, you know, I was sitting in front of these documents and was thinking, okay, what is now the relevant information for me and the clinical evaluation? Mm -hmm. uh, and that was the starting point where I thought, okay, how can we connect those processes? And can we define a term maybe called clinical risk mm -hmm. so that we use a categorization in the risk analysis that helps the clinical evaluation expert to find the information that we really need in the clinical evaluation. Gotcha. And I discussed the topic also with the um, TUV experts um, and other experts in the industry. And it seems that no one has really a good explanation and the clear definition of this yeah. interface. Yes, yes. I, and I remember the LinkedIn post that you shared uh, was almost like a viral post, it hit the point hard that we're really mm -hmm. missing this terminology from our vocabulary. And look, we are not able to really synthesize this information to present in a kind of succinct way to show that the device is safe and effective. That's what we are trying to do, right? Yeah, exactly. So, Sarah, and, before, know, before we go any further, I know there are many people who uh, join this forum who are outside of the medical device industry because we talk about risk. Can you start with just talking simply what clinical evaluation is? Mm -hmm. So according to the definition that we have in Europe, the clinical evaluation is the collection of clinical data and then the um, assessment of relevance and quality and the detailed analysis of single statements in those data sets in order to achieve a, yeah, a conclusion if we really fulfill safety, performance and benefit aspects. And in Europe, it's really crucial that you have clinical evidence to demonstrate that you fulfill the yeah, general safety and performance requirements that we have here. Mm -hmm. So without clinical data, no chance to bring a medical device to the market. Yeah, because we are trying to make a statement that, look, the device we have worked so hard to build, it's going to help patients while not exposing them to unnecessary risk. We are making a statement mm -hmm. through this evaluation, right? That's a big picture, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It is. And... You know, the interesting thing is the risk-benefit assessment is not really new and it was defined in the ISO 4971 for quite a while and in, in European law as well. But how do you really assess a benefit? <laughs> and yes. How you do that, that weighting, right? Yes. We do not have answers for that at the moment. Yes. So, you know, for in the 2019 revision of ISO 14971 is for the first time that they find the term benefit. Right, so it's kind it's of, um, yes, so it's a new to our terminology, although we were supposed to look at benefits, but you know, people get confused. Hey, marketing talks about benefits, 
clinical people talk about benefits uh, quality people talk about benefits so everybody talks about benefits but really what we are talking about here sir i think clinical benefit how does it help improve the medical condition for the patient in the context of the intended use is that not right yeah it is right and uh, and also important is how can you demonstrate that yeah. you really fulfill the benefit right yeah it's not like it's not like just hand waving and a fancy argument like it's not like a nice slide that you might see but what's the clinical evidence mm-hmm. exactly and, and i i what i'm hearing you say is that clinical evaluation is the process of gathering that clinical evidence correct exactly that's the point so guys th- this i like to make things simple right i know we get hung up on terminology and vocabulary but simply this cannot be like check the box activity this has to done up front early on as soon as possible in the design and development and have a strategy for generating this evidence right yeah it is and also important at the beginning is um yeah the let's say identify and identification and definition of the benefit that you really want to achieve and a lot of companies haven't thought about that in the past you know maybe because um they just improved existing devices i don't know but honestly when i as a company when i spend a lot of money to bring a medical device into the market i think i want to be better than the other devices that are already in the market right yeah yeah sure and of course marketing will talk about that but we are talking about clinical benefit right we are talking about improving what's out there in terms of clinical benefits so that we can claim that our intended use is sound and valid and we should be granted permission to market this product that's what it's all about so uh, i think we already found one connection right the clinical evaluation needs to start early in the design and development not when we are compiling our documentation for submission yeah that's true you have to plan your activities uh, and yeah integrate it into your product uh, development uh, activities so in the in the product development plan you also should integrate clinical activities so what are the what are the uh, points that you can talk about uh, connecting points with risk management uh, sarah where you think we are missing this connection for clinical evaluation <laughs> um well i think we have talked about it before and alexey and flora mentioned it um when when i discussed with them the the interfaces between the processes and especially aspects like um acceptance criteria for the safety for the performance and of course for the clinical benefit we found out that at the beginning we have to look at the state of the art <laughs> that we achieve with the device right and how do you define the state of the art and interesting is that um there is a definition for that in different standards that we have for quite a while and the MDR mentions that you have to consider alternative treatment options for example but when we talk about it we often say state of the art but basically we have two different components here we have a medical state of the art uh-huh. uh should be discussed and documented by the clinical experts here and then we also have a technical state of the art and who is responsible for that is it risk is it product development who defines it and who documents it very interesting i've never heard this put this way this is awesome so tell me a little bit more about the difference between medical and technical state of the art in your mind yeah you know in um, in the medical device regulation in europe uh, there is a requirement that we have to consider these uh, alternative treatment options so different alternatives for diagnosis or therapy here <laughs> and this is 
Yeah, it is kind of new because, you know, in the past we could bring medical devices to the market that were safe. Um, but typically as a company, when we wrote clinical evaluations, we haven't focused on those different uh, alternative treatment options. So we just said, hey, this is an endoscope. It works like other endoscopes. Um, but we haven't questioned if the procedure, the intended indication um, is really appropriate or if there maybe is a completely different mm-hmm. technical or medical um, yeah, option here, right? Mm-hmm. And how do we do that? How do we define the medical state of the art? We, we do a lot of research. So we search for medical guidelines from medical associations here. We do scientific literature searches in databases like PubMed or MBase, for example. Um, so we go to medical congresses as product managers and we, uh-huh. we want to understand what is discussed in the medical community. And all of this information is input for our state of the art that we write. But how do you define the technical state of the art? Mm-hmm. Interesting, interesting. So all this market research will tell us what is what else is out there which is providing the clinical benefits we want to aim for and how exactly. much on and how much better can we be right i think that's the whole conversation it's a relative benefit to the state of the art out there from a medical point of view yes yes yeah, that's, that's, that's one the- way of looking at it right i think that's interesting so sarah before i invite uh, folks to participate i have one more question for you because i think it's relevant uh, and mm-hmm. in my experience where i have seen a miss is in post-market surveillance where I think personally, from my experience, that we have limited focus on clinical aspects of our post-market. Do you share this uh, experience first of all? Uh, Just to ask you, what is happening in the post-market space and clinical evaluation? Yeah, that's that's a good point. Um, You know, we are in Europe required to further collect clinical data throughout the whole life cycle of a medical device And that includes data related to the state of the art. And um, the state of the art can change over time as well. So there will be maybe new technology in the future and that might be um, better and provide um, higher benefits for patients. Uh So, And how can you monitor that if you do not collect clinical data, right? And it is collected as part of post-market surveillance activities. Yeah, What what I've seen though is that it's done separately. And it's not kind of yeah. integrated together to make uh, a sort of conclusive statement about benefit risk on an ongoing basis. So I'm going to open this up. And guys, this will be the first question for you uh, or comments to share. What is your experience about missing connections between clinical evaluation and risk management? Uh, so the floor is open. Uh, you guys hopefully know how to uh, indicate to me whether you are interested or not. You have to find these three dots next to your profile and uh, just request to speak. So I'm gonna wait for you guys to raise your hands. Don't be shy and uh, don't wait. Uh, As soon as possible, raise your hand. I know David is requesting, but anyone else who is interested in participating, please go ahead and and let me know. I'll bring you on stage. So David, you are on. Please unmute your mic and share what you have in mind. Thank you, Naveen. And thank you, Sarah. Fascinating topic. I'm a novice. Uh, I'm not technical. I have a two-part question. You were talking about medical state-of-the-art, technical state-of-the-art. Is there potentially another one that, if you think of the bigger system as a whole, more of an enterprise approach? And then how do you combine data with more analog-type information? Interesting. What do you consider analog-type of information here? 
anything that's not data, I guess, probabilistic or opinions or, you know, many experts that have many years of experience have very strong opinions on things. I'm just curious how that all fits in. Uh, yeah, okay. I see your point. You know, from my perspective, it's all data because when I document it, it's, it's, it's kind of data. Sure. That it yes. Um, yeah, good good point. Um, so as as part of the clinical evaluation, we also should consider that. And in, in Europe, there is this requirement to proactively collect data from the market. And a lot of companies have started to do, we call it post-market surveillance studies or do customer questionnaires to really collect the data and to, to collect information. And when it's documented, then we have data, right? <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I see. And, and you know, to your point, Sarah, we need to be talking to doctors. We need to be talking to patients. We need to be gathering information from social media about the experience with mm -hmm. our device. And David, to your point, it has to somehow come into our organization in a systematic way that can be analyzed and evaluated to make decisions. We have to build those systems. Uh, guys, we're going to continue our conversation, but uh, the floor is open, and I know there are over 50 people listening, so you can't all be, uh, just be on the sideline. You have to participate, uh, and this is one of those things where I may have to start calling on names. So uh, we have done it many times. Don't be shy. This is going to be a very, very casual conversation. Ed, you're on. Please share what you have in mind. Ed, can you hear me? I'm mute. There we go. Am I on now? Yes, you're on. Welcome, Ed. Oh, How okay. are you? Okay. Uh, unfortunately, I missed uh, a large part of the conversation because I was on a conference call with a couple other people from this group. Uh, but um, uh, the topic of, of uh, the post-market surveillance came up, and we're, we're talking about risk. And the requirement in uh, 14971 is that you have an active process to collect and review information. Uh -huh. That's in the in 10.1 in the first sentence. So uh, we aligned the standards, Sarah, with uh, with the MDR and what was going on there uh, when we when we developed the 2019 version. So we expect worldwide uh, that uh, that manufacturers will have an active process to go out and seek data. And there's even some suggestions of, of uh, some sources uh, of data that you can use. And it goes further because the uh, source document for the production and post-production activities, which is what we call um, post-market surveillance, I guess as you might say, and it crosses the line. It, it's not just post-market, but it's also during production. Yeah. Um, that was the GHTF Kappa guidance, which is the same document that was used for 1345 for their uh, Clause 8, which is uh, monitoring and improvement. And they're saying the same thing, basically. It's just you need to have an active process. So uh, it's not just Europe. It is now worldwide. Mm -hmm that you need to have those processes in place. So the uh, good point here, Ed, I think is that even the standards are kind of uh, sort of coming to terms with this idea of yes. going, going out and learning more about your product and whether it's QMS standard, whether it's ISO 14971. I love it that we seem to be speaking the same language. So I, I really appreciate you bringing that up. Uh, 
So hang in there. We'll have more chat, more conversation on this. But I want to invite now Rajat, who is from the aerospace uh, industry. And I would love to hear your perspective on safety, on gathering information from, you know, post-production, post-market. How do you guys do it? And if you have any other thoughts to share. Rajat, go ahead and please unmute yourself. Yeah, thank you, Naveen. And uh, yeah, I've been meaning to join you in some of these Let's Talk Risk, uh, you know, uh, talk show, I guess this is. So wonderful to join you finally, and uh, I'm learning a lot. So my kind of question kind of comes with the fact that I want to learn more about uh, the same clinical risks, but in the space station. So like microgravity environments. And I think that maybe uh, these kind of post-market surveillance is much more easier when it's a contained uh, environment like the International Space Station. So. I've been kind of trying to understand uh, some of these risks for a life support system design, they call it. Uh, but I just had to ask you guys, like, how do I get started with the standards? Like, what are the standards? Is there anything to get started with? And are there any microgravity considerations in any of your systems yet? Oh, my uh, gosh. So this is so fascinating, Grazia. Thanks for sharing. Uh, Sarah, do you have any insights on uh, where he could get going with just understanding how, what should be done? How to gather information? What are the best practices from a clinical point of view? Ooh, that's a good question. Well, you know, <laughs> well, I mean, when we talk about standards in the medical device industry, it's definitely ISO 4971, right? And when we when, when we talk about collect collection of data from the post-market system, I think everything that we have in the medical device industry is very specific for our industry. So I'm not sure if it's it would be helpful for your industry. <laughs> but you <laughs> so know what what, what I'm hearing you what, what I'm hearing Rajat say is that hey, health of astronauts in space station is important to us. And Yeah, I, and it includes all clinical uh requirements. So I'm just here to learn so, about how we do it on Earth so that I can probably <laughs> yes. how to take it to space, right? That's wonderful, wonderful. So Rajat, I think I'm, this you you bring up a good point and I think we're going to do a little bit thinking about this and follow up with more discussions. Uh, I've taken a note of it and this is what I love about this conversation, guys, right? Because we are really exploring interesting topics. So just hold that thought. Tom, you've been waiting patiently, so I'm going to invite you to unmute your mic and share your thoughts. Go ahead, please. Um, thank you, Naveen. Can you hear me okay? Yes, yes, I can hear you. How? Mm -hmm. Fantastic. It feels a little bit like saying a long-time listener, first-time caller. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I'd just take the opportunity, you know, given that there's some fantastic people on the call. You know, something that always strikes me about risk management in the medical device world and the application of 14971 is that we can still, even today, be somewhat siloed between the world of 14971, which, you know, I guess from my perspective would often have a you know a design uh, focus um and then we have the world of in europe at least clinical evaluation where we now have quite detailed processes for how you evaluate clinical risk <laughs> I, i'd just be really interested to hear from yourself or people on the call what does what does good or what does best look like for how we try to get clinical validation for the tools we use in the risk management world for managing risk. Has, has anyone seen a, a really good or, you know, ideally clinically valid way or scientifically valid way that we could do this so that we, you know, reduce the risk of different solutions being adopted for the same technology? That's a very awesome question. And Sarah, I'm going to let you start first. And, but 
the question is open to everybody on the panel here. Uh, but Sarah, go ahead. Please share your thoughts. Hmm. Well, you know, I'm I'm always struggling a bit when we when we use the term validation because for me <laughs> it's validation means product validation. So is it really the right device that was developed for the for the defined um, patient population and user group here? <laughs> and um, in I don't know if it is in the US. I mean, for PMAs, it, it's quite clear. But in Europe, um, we do not have a specific um, submission way where you where you need clinical trials. But we see a lot more trials, not only for the submission to get market access, but also after the device was brought to the market. So those post-market yeah. clinical follow-ups. So what, yeah. what I'm hearing in Tom's question is, uh, what are some best practices to actually gather evidence in a way which can be supported? which can be believed, and it's not like speculative. I think that's what I'm hearing. And I, I would say, Tom, it applies to anything that we do, right? We should be, we should have a scientific approach. We should have as, as much as possible a statistically valid way of analyzing data and coming to our conclusions. So I think those best practices are not different from anything else we do. Uh, yeah, and you Maybe one one comment. This is what I said, uh, what I meant when I said um, we we need to do trials or we have to collect the data in a systematic way. So this is definitely so, considered as best practice here. So one thing I sure. can share with you guys is that I've been reading, uh, and in the US at least we have this information available, every PMA, every 510K, you can go and look up the information published by FDA. I've, I've looked at uh, summary of safety and effectiveness data. That's a great summary. Look at the clinical trials that they do because they describe their endpoints. They describe the statistical methodology they're going to use. We can learn a lot from that. And uh, that is out there for public to look at. So, uh, Tom, does that answer your question? I want to give you uh, an opportunity to see if you have a follow-up on that. Yeah, no, th thank you, Navi. Yeah, I, I guess, you know, I, I've heard people think about this in, in a couple of different ways, you know, one of which was, you know, I heard an interesting suggestion once that in the way that we calculate severity and occurrence when we're describing risk estimates and then you control the risk, you know, people have thought, could you do that for benefits? And how might you do that for clinical benefits? Because in, in the, you know, the world of clinical evaluation, clinical studies and to doctors, they have an entirely different way of thinking about these overall benefit risk uh, assessments. Um, yeah. So I, I haven't um, I haven't kind of seen anyone been able to create a ledger that's as valid so, on the benefit side as it is on the risk. But yeah, no, it, it is. I think Tom, what I would recommend that uh, you review some of the PMA information uh, because the way clinical studies are designed, they actually describe what the clinical endpoint would be, how would it be measured, what will be something that they'll compare it with. There's a lot of good information there. So I know we have two more folks here. And we are kind of running short on time. So I'm going to give Richard who an opportunity to share his thoughts. You've been waiting for some time, Richard. I appreciate your patience. Please unmute your mic and share what you have in mind. Hi, thanks. Can you hear me? Yes, we can hear you. Thank you. Great. I got it right on the first time. I, I was actually just responding to um, to Rajat. I, sorry if I pronounced your name wrong. Um, oh, but on your inquiry, you know, one of the things with, with medical devices is that we never really get, you know, prescriptive information on on how we answer things like clinical benefits. But one of the tools that I, you should get directed towards to help you with your specific question is in is in ISO TR twenty four nine seventy one, which is a guidance document supporting fourteen nine seventy one. 
And there's Annex A, and it's called Identification of Hazards and uh, Characteristics of, for Safety, I think, or I'm probably misquoting it, mm-hmm. but but it, it's, it's a set of a bunch of questions that helps you characterize what your device is, or in your case, you could characterize it based on what your problem is. And it really helps you start to scope in the unique features to to your problem or, you know, in our industry, to your device. And, you know, those of us in consulting, oftentimes we get partnered up with new product, products and new projects of which we don't af- often have a lot of experience in. And that first step by do- answering the questions in that annex really helps start to scope out what are the unique risks with your product. That is a great suggestion, Richard. Thank you for bringing this up. Uh, and essentially, you are right. These are a series of questions designed to help us understand what the characteristics related to safety are, because guess what's going to happen? It's going to help us understand hazards and also define maybe safety limits on important performance characteristics. So that's great. Thank you for bringing that up. Vikas, I see you have joined us, so I'm going to help. I'm going to let you share what you have in mind. Please go ahead and unmute uh, your mic. Yes, uh, thanks for this interesting talk. Uh, I have just a remark or rather a naive, very naive question. When we uh, when we think from a risk management perspective, how can we correlate this clinical analysis would lead us to identify acceptable or unacceptable risk or let's say the resulting risk has avoidable consequences or unavoidable consequences or can we categorize the clinical analysis is a part of the or one of the method of risk assessment mm-hmm. and also how can we uh, exactly and accurately categorize the different occurrence rankings and severity rankings got you so for just, example just to understand for example oh go ahead please it, go ahead keep going yeah for example if there is a scratch caused due to some hazard uh, due to the medical device does the scratch is going to lead to some avoidable consequences or unavoidable consequences unavoidable consequences might be the scratch would lead to some kind of uh, uh, further infection and it will lead gotcha. to the, some kind of amputation or organ damage so, so because I, i'm hearing two questions in here one question is about acceptability of risk and i'm going to i know we are running short on time so i'm going to summarize it very very quickly I'm hearing two questions. One is about acceptability, and that is done in the context of benefits of the intended use. So uh, ISO TR 24971 was brought up. Please review that. A lot of good information there. The second question is about building sequence of events from a starting event that will lead to potential uh, hazardous situations and harms. And again, I would recommend you to please go and review TR 24971. So uh, sorry to cut you short, but I know we are running short on time and I respect people's time, especially on Friday afternoon. Uh, before I give Sarah a chance to share some closing thoughts, guys, I'm going to share with you only a few housekeeping points. Uh, this is a 30-minute rapid-fire type of a conversation, but this is not the only time we do it. Every Friday at 11 Eastern, we get together. And I invite you, block your calendar if you love these, uh, tell your friends and just show up. We're going to talk about risk in a very casual way. If you miss it, any of these conversations, if you miss it, a recording with some key points are available on the Let's Talk Risk newsletter. And in the event uh, description, if you go to the event page, you will find a link to subscribe to that newsletter. You can keep in touch. Finally, I want to invite all of you, all of you, to raise your hand and tell me if you are interested in being a guest on this conversation. 
no preparation required. It's very, very casual and fun. And I know all of you have something to share, some interesting ideas, some interesting piece of advice that we can take away with. So uh, get in touch with me through LinkedIn or any other way and let me know if you would be interested. And I'll be very happy to coordinate with you. Sarah, what a conversation we had and high energy. I love it. I love it. Thank you so much. I, uh, I, I would just invite you to share any closing comments, any thoughts that you have for us. Yeah, um, what I think is really important that we also exchange ideas and concepts from regulatory requirements in, you know, Europe and the US, because what I've heard, for example, the topic about acceptance criteria and so on, we cover that with the clinical evaluation in Europe. It's a defined process. And uh, think about the, the role of the state of the art that we have. Um, that we have and vice versa the fda has a pretty good guidance for benefit risk assessment that we could use in europe so mm -hmm. exchange of different perspectives is very important um and what i also think is that we in our industry have to discuss and solve the regulatory questions that we have we shouldn't wait for another guidance in europe or the fda or wherever we have it but Let's discuss it and let's try to find together a, a solution, a best practice approach, because we have 500 or more than 500,000 different medical devices on the market. And one approach that works for one device might not work for the other one. So mm -hmm. we need a exchange. We need a discussion. I love it. And that's where we are trying to kind of build this sort of forum and community. So all of you guys are being part of this conversation. Uh, I just enjoy this. I love love engaging with you and I invite you to be a part of this. Reach out to anybody. Reach out to Sarah. Reach out to anybody who is on this uh, audience today or who who joined us on this stage. Uh, connect with them. Introduce yourself. Please don't spam anybody, okay? No spam, please. But you can connect with anybody, build new relationships and have this conversation because uh, like Sarah is saying, uh, why wait for some guidance to come out? Let's do it ourselves. Uh, with that, guys, thank you so much. Thank you, Sarah, and thank you, everybody who participated. Thank you all for joining today, and I look forward to connecting with you next week. Uh, have a good weekend, and uh, please share what you have in mind anytime. Reach out anytime. Have a good one, everyone. Thank you again. Bye-bye.